Luke chapter 24, beginning verse 1. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the man said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful man and be crucified, and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. The resurrection is the greatest event in human history. It is the climax of salvation history. So much that Paul in Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says that if you want, if you were to be saved, you have, you must believe the resurrection. He says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You must believe the resurrection. So what I'd like to do in the few minutes we have now is go through these first 12 verses and look at two things. I'd like to split our time into sections. The first section is just what is the fact, what, what, is the, what, what happens when these first witness that we see here, the women, and right along with the disciples right after, how do they react to this evidence of the empty tomb? What is the implication of that to their lives? And after that, I would like to look at three brief and direct implications of that same evidence, the empty tomb, to our lives today. So let's begin verse 1. Verse 1 says that on the first day of the week, the day that was about to become the new holy Sabbath to the church, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And there are two things to be noticed here. The first thing is the love and devotion that these women had for Jesus, for their master. They're concerned with the body of Jesus and they want to take care of it, so they prepare all these ointments and all these things to come and take care of that body. And we praise them for that heart. But on the other hand, they also express lack of faith by doing that. As the angels will soon remind them, Jesus had told them time after time that he would die, that he would be delivered into man, he would be crucified, but he would rise again on the third, third day. And they come here, and we know that they were not expecting this to happen, because even on the way there, evangelist Mark, in his account of the gospel, tells us that the women were worried about what they would do about the rock, about the big um, stone before the tomb. 
they prepared all these things that on the way there, they're wondering, um, who will roll away the stone from us in the entrance of the tomb? And of course, they had no reason to be worried about that. Uh, Matthew, in his gospel, and I quote, says, that suddenly there was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, stepped forward, and rolled away the stone. There's no need to be worried about that either. So these women come in and they're perplexed. Here's what I wanted to notice this morning is that just looking at the physical evidence, the fact that the tomb was empty, wasn't enough for them to believe in the resurrection. As they looked at that, it's not their first memory that Jesus said this and we, he's risen, but they're perplexed. They don't understand what happened. Matter of fact, Martha, we know from, from the other accounts of the gospel that she doesn't go in to the tomb with the other women, but as she sees from afar that the stone had been removed, she runs back to Peter, and she has to tell Peter, and what does she say? Lord, they, they, Peter, they, they, they stole the Lord's body. Who, who stole? We don't know. They, some, someone, the body isn't there because the tomb was empty. See, her reaction is to think of anything else but that the resurrection had taken place. Peter then goes check, and the disciples, of course, we know that they didn't believe in the first account, even after they knew about the empty tomb. But the rest of the women, perplexed as they were, they walk into the tomb, they go in, and they find themselves frightened. That sense of perplexity becomes fear, and the reason for that is because they see these two men. And those two men were not just two people you meet on the street every day, but these were different men. And they could tell by the dazzling clothing they were wearing, this lightning uh, garments that they were wearing. Of course, these men didn't belong to earth, but they were angels. They belonged from the realm of beauty and splendor and purity. And even though the women had no place to be there at business and being there in the first place, there's no point of trying to take care of a body that, first of all, wasn't dead, uh, and it wasn't there, and it wasn't dead. But the angels gently remind them of what happened. And here's what I want us to take our lesson today. I want you to notice that the empty tomb doesn't explain the resurrection, but the divine messengers do as they point that, they interpret that fact through the words of Jesus himself. Look what they say. The angels gently remind them of God's word, the words of Christ who had said that he would be delivered into the hands of sinful men. Then he would be crucified, and on the third day, he would rise again. They need to be reminded of the words of Christ. And this is a great underlining principle here that we learn. We need not only the physical facts, we not only need truth in life, but we need to interpret those things according to the word of God. In the context here, the women were not simply called to remember a certain statement that Jesus had said during his ministry, but they were called to interpret the present event in light of Jesus' ministry and in light of the significance of the Messiah in their lives. And isn't that what all of us are called to do even today? We're called to look at every single moment of our lives, every single event, and interpret it according to the word of God. If we just look with our own eyes, there won't be faith. But if we listen to the word of God and understand the world and every single thing in it, according to his revealed will, 
we will understand it. And the fear of the Lord will be in our hearts for that. So the empty tomb does not explain the resurrections, but the divine messengers bring them to the understanding through the words of Christ. In verse 8, which is the last verse I want to look at in this first section, it says something, in my opinion, maybe the most beautiful thing in, this whole, in all these 12 verses. It says, And they remembered his words. And they remembered his words. Christian, what a wonderful thing it is, not only in the life of these women, but in each one of our lives, when the words of Christ come vivid in our memory, into our minds, and we start looking at the world and interpreting all things, not according to our own eyes, but according to the promises of Christ. And the reason I say that these women were lacking faith is not that to, to put them in a lower position, but all of us, how... Is anyone here able to say that we lived every single moment of our lives according to the promises of God? No, but that's what we're called to do, and that's why we need the Word of God to point us back to reality and to who Christ is and interpret things properly. So as we look at those things and now try to bring an application to our lives, I have three straightforward points, just three bullet points. And in the same way that the empty tomb meant something to those women and later on to the disciples. I want us to now look at three points. I have actually three and a half points for us to wrap up in this first section. The first thing I want us to understand is something related to the past. The tomb was found empty. His body was not found. Jesus was risen. And here's the first implication of that. We look back and we know that the believer knows that his sins are forgiven. We have that assurance because Christ is risen. For if the Father had not been satisfied with the atonement rendered by his Son for our sins, he would not have raised him from the dead. The Son was vindicated by the Father as he was risen from the dead. As, As God raised him, he was saying that when he said it was accomplished, it is finished, that work was actually finished and there is forgiveness of sins. As far as east is from the west... Your sins have been removed from you, away from you, and now you find peace with God because of the righteousness and the work of Jesus Christ and what he accomplished for you on the cross. So that's the first thing. Not only we look at the past, but there are implications to our lives right now. Not only his work was sufficient, but we also know that he is risen, and he now, even today, he lives evermore to intercede for us in heaven before the throne of grace. You're not alone in this life, but Christ is risen and he intercedes for you in the throne of heaven today. And thirdly, we look at the future as well. We look forward because the believer knows that his body too will one day, be ri- uh, one day rise gloriously or else, if we're still on earth, be changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye and will become like him because we'll see him as he is. And those are the three promises that we find in scripture. Uh, Those are the three things that we look at and and behold as we think of this empty tomb. And I'll finish with one last, the half point, which is pointing you to the message of the angels, which pointed to the message of Jesus Christ himself when he said, the son of man must be crucified and on the third day rise again. One very important thing, we cannot separate Christ's resurrection from Christ's death. Those things are 
connected. And even for ourselves, in this life right now, only he who by God's grace has learned to glory in Christ's death in this life, as we fight our sins, as we pursue holiness, as we go through all the miseries and and hardships of this life for his glory, and we take our cross and we walk day after day pursuing purity and holiness. Only those who learn how to glory in Christ's death can glory in his resurrection. The cross cannot be separated from the crown, and we need to understand that. So let us look to the empty tomb and think of all these implications and the glory that it is to think of a risen Savior. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that your word is true. We thank you that Christ is risen from the dead. And we praise you for our Savior lives. In him we find redemption for our sins. In him we find a perfect friend and the perfect intercessor in heaven before your throne of grace. And in him we find our hope of glory as well, Lord, in eternal life, in eternal life in heaven with you. And we praise you in his name. Amen.